You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. I'm a cloud-native DevOps course creator, consultant, and manager of this growing community on cloud-native DevOps. This podcast is an edited-down, audio-only version of my YouTube live show, which airs on Thursdays at brett.live. This podcast and all the free stuff I create is made possible by my supporting members. Thank you all so much for your continued patronage. There are well over 100 of you buying me a coffee every month, which makes that just 1% of the people that read, watch, or listen to this content every month. I'm hoping we can double that to 2% this year. And as they say, membership has its privileges. So you can find out how to support this show, my cloud native training, and our DevOps community at brettfisher.com. In this episode, my co-host Matt Williams and I welcome Jason De La Luce and Luca Guerrera from Sysdig to talk about the open source Falco project. Now, Falco is a security tool I've mentioned multiple times on this show because I mostly think that a low-level, security-focused logging product is something that every production server needs. The ability to log unexpected events and behaviors on your Linux host is powerful and necessary to be able to audit what's really happening on your infrastructure outside of your app itself. Falco has been a CNCF incubating project for over four years and I was immediately drawn to it in its early days because it was container and Kubernetes aware, and it could log and alert with default rules for everything from someone starting a shell inside a container to a bash history file being deleted to a container trying to talk to the Kubernetes API. This episode will be useful for those of you new to tools like Falco and for those familiar with its basics, but also wanting to learn about newer features and use cases, which I did some learning on myself in this episode. So please enjoy this discussion with Jason and Luca of Sysdig. Hello, welcome to my show. My name is Brett. I've got with me again, Matt Williams, co-host essentially for this cloud native DevOps thing we're doing. And I've got two guests from Sysdig all about the Falco project. So we're gonna dive in that today. We've got Jason De La Luce, De La Luce? Sorry if I mispronounced that, and Luca Guerra, which I also know I mispronounced. So both from Italy, thank you for being here today. Thank you for thank having you. us, Brad. <laughs> nice to see everyone. Yeah, and we're gonna focus on Falco, which if you didn't know, is one of my favorite security tools. I'm an operator at heart. So I started my career as an operator, sysadmin. So anytime we start talking about Kubernetes and all this world of CNCF cloud native tooling, I always like talking about tools that are focused on protecting our systems, monitoring and observing our systems. And this is one of them. It's been around for a while. So I kind of want to get into it. So Jason, how did you get started with the Falco project? Actually, it happened when I joined Sysdig. Our company is much committed to open source and Falco specifically because, I mean, in back in time, the code of the project was started in the company and then contributed to the CNCF later in the process. Now it's totally open. So both me and Luca are basically paid full-time to work on it, and it's fantastic. I was not a full-time maintainer before. So I've been in the community starting from the bottom since August 2021, so it's been a while right now. And I maintain most of the repositories. I mean, I'm pretty much spread you know, horizontally in the project, but it's been a lot of fun. Met some great folks so far, and the technology is super interesting. Yeah, it it is. And I've, I was an early fan, and... I've sort of watched its, I guess, rise through the CNCF ranks, right? Luca, you've been on the project for a while. I see you in a lot of videos. What's your origin story with this project? So I have been knowing Falco from on the same, similar way as Jason from Sysdig, the company. So I have known Sysdig, the open source tool, way before Falco and back, I think, in 2016 or 17, when it was being designed. And... Uh, and then uh, I understood that after a cool troubleshooting tool, uh, we're making a cool security tool. And I'm all about security in every way, shape or form, being the, that software vulnerabilities, defense, attacks, everything. And I was interested in working uh, on this. I had a few years later the possibility of working uh, at the company where I worked uh, on all sorts of security things and uh, now including Falco. Like Jason, I'm happy to help maintain the project. I work on 
various wrappers around it. And I enjoy the security aspect of it, both the capabilities and the security of the project itself. Yeah. This is one of those tools where I will tell teams that I'm working with that this is sort of like a default thing that goes in every cluster for me. Like if you're managing your own infrastructure, which I don't always recommend, but if you're managing your own servers and you need to have more awareness other than just a traditional, you know, monitoring tool, a data dog or something like that, who's good at the elevator pitch? Who wants to take a stab at that? What's the elevator pitch for Falco? Why does it need to exist? You want to take this one, Luca? Or... <laughs> Sure. If you have looked uh, at, at the website, you will see that Falco is like the security camera for your cloud, the security camera for your hosts uh, and clusters. That's actually, the um, if you go on falco.org, you will see that this is exactly what it does. So you can have uh, all your workloads monitored uh, instantly and uh, at the system call level. So that's a very deep level in the system. It works with a lot of different Linux distributions, and you can have real-time alerts on everything that is happening. And as Brett mentioned, I think it is really a default security thing to have that can help in both detecting attacks and even doing troubleshooting. But, of course, it needs people like Brett, who are operators at heart, that know what know how to look at the real-time protection that this, uh, this project can provide, looks at the alert and knows uh, what uh, it happens on the machine. In that case, I think you'd love the tool, as I do. Yeah, it's one of those. So the first demo I ever saw of it was, I think it might have been, I can't remember. I'm, uh, it's escaping me. I think it was on this show where, so, where someone basically showed me how you can track execs happening in containers and people starting shells in containers on server workloads, which traditionally, like if you have your infrastructure designed well, especially if you're doing things nowadays that we consider proper, you don't necessarily want to be shelling in the servers, especially into containers and production, unless there's a very bad thing happening and you're troubleshooting in on it. That's an exception. But other than that, these systems in general shouldn't have people shelling into them. And I saw this demo where you could raise an alert essentially, and it would be brought using other monitoring systems to sort of track that. And that really spoke to me because I realized how, even if I know that I'm, things are up, if I've got monitoring in place and I've got sort of security logs about server access, that's fine. Maybe I've got some other advanced security tools that do that, but I don't necessarily understand by default in Kubernetes what's going on in a container, right? Are there new processes that are starting up that I don't consider or don't authorize, right? And that was the very first demo for me. What are some other good examples of essentially rules or things that Falco can watch specifically? Falco really watches everything, really can get <laughs> pretty much everything out of your system. Just a shell might be something that you can, you don't even need the full power of Falco to detect just that, but this can detect every file open every operation that happens and even the use of system calls that are typical of perhaps malicious software or maybe exploits. Of course, you cannot defend against the exploits you don't know, but what you can do is you can track suspicious activity that is usually connected to potential attacks. For example, maybe someone is doing a low-level mem product operation to make some memory a writable uh, when it shouldn't be, you can be alerted of that. And this is the level that you can get really to. It's very deep. You can really get everything from that out of Falco. But Falco is not only that. Falco can also take a look at, uh, even at your cloud events because Falco has a very powerful plugin system that uh, allows you to connect to even a, a very vast amount of sources uh, and something that uh, people can define themselves. So this is a, this goes even further and uh, even deeper and uh, even in, in other domains than the system operating system kernel part that we are all, always used to. Yeah. yeah, because I'm always thinking of it as a service, essentially, that running either in a container or maybe on the bare metal that's watching the kernel events or you know, essentially talking to the kernel to see everything that's happening on the system itself on a single server. So you're saying that it can actually consume things from outside of that server? Is it sort of an event 
processor at that point, like yeah, feeding off. Yeah, of- that's a, one of the novelties that were introduced, like I think one year and a half ago at this point, since zero, version 0.31, if I remember correctly. The idea is this tool is has been designed to you know communicate with the kernel and sustain a really high number of events per second because certain calls we get up to hundreds of you know millions per seconds or hundreds or thousands or something like that. so it's a right. pretty high number depending ho- how beefy your machine is so at this point we have a powerful rule engine and a pretty simple rule language to write security rules for so the idea was can we port this functionality and make it digest i don't know cloud logs, audit activity logs, audit logs coming from services all around the place. Now Falco is able to do that. The very first integration has been actually Kubernetes audit logs. So right now Falco is able to communicate with the API server and lets you understand that basically all, you know, all the operations happen, happening in your cluster and you're basically able to detect when something suspicious happens in there. So not just the node you deploy Falco into. Same thing goes for the second integration actually that kicked off was AWS CloudTrail. So you can actually connect Falco to your infrastructure in a way and have all those events streamed inside the tool and do runtime detection on it. So, and you know, the list still grows. That is just a tiny list. I mean, some of the other plugins that we started supporting officially since last year, GitHub is another one. When you commit like a secret in your repo, Falco is able to detect that nowadays. So it's growing. There's plenty of opportunity for contributions new use cases and all. So we are really taking off, not just in, you know, node level security, but also something else. So we, I mean, from what you've said, it can detect all this suspicious behavior, but, you know, I think Luca, you mentioned the memprotect being able to write something. I don't know anything about that. Do I need to know that's bad in order to find it in Falco? Or are you also providing, okay, these are the really bad things to look for. And so so some ideas of where to look, or do I have to know this ahead of time? Say, okay, I want to look for that and that and that and that. To understand it all. That's, that's, that's a great question, of course. Uh, and the truth is that you have repositories of rules uh, that uh, smart people that work with the cluster security do all day. And they try to collect the suspicious behavior that they see on their clusters and that they can become Falco rules. And for example, something else that you might want to detect is that how about I could create a rule that tells me if something is dropping a new executable and then running it. This is possible with Falco, but it's not uh, so easy to write the rule. I think the Falco rule language uh, is intuitive and pretty easy to use, uh, but it needs uh, some specialized knowledge uh, in order to understand what, how to properly translate it. And if, but if you go on the Falco repositories, uh, you can find uh, archives of rules made by the entire community, and you can find uh, stuff that you're looking for. Probably you don't need all of them, but if you are a, a smart enough operator, you can tune your rule set on exactly as you like it. Or if you don't want to do that, you can simply download our rule set in the community, run them in your cluster and see if something suspicious happens and really understand your cluster better. That's that just that will help you understand what you're running better. Even if there's no attack or nothing in that, that is harming you, you can see what can be considered suspicious in your cluster. If I can add, like the language itself is also pretty simplified. So Falco allows you basically to extract meaningful information from the data stream. You know, either he sees, it consumes. And that's high level information. So if you look at the documentation, you know exactly which data you're extracting and it just takes care of, you know, getting the right field the right time. But you could still say, Hey, I don't know anything about system calls for any reason. So how can I map that to some bad behavior? The rule language itself also supports the knowledge of, you know, macros and lists. So for example, the default rule set that we provide has some macros such as a new process spawn, for example. So. At a, you know, up to a certain degree, you don't even need to know exactly which system calls are involved or which setup of information you need to look for. You just call the macro, basically, and compose it to your own needs. So the language in its simplicity and composability sort of helps people, you know, get, getting in touch with the, with the subject. I'm looking at the documentation here and I see it's, you know, it's showing the YAML rule yeah. generator. That's an example of rule, for example. Yeah. A Falco yeah. rule set is just a big collection of those. We have about okay. 670 to 80 provided by default in the tool. And you can define a simple name, a description so that people know 
there is a condition which is like a big filter or boolean formula as you can want to see and there you can just detect which system call which fields you need to look for and then you can also specify an output that Falco will print to users whenever an alert is triggered, basically. And also you can see that in, you are in the rules repository and you can see that there is people contributing their new rules. If you think about something that defenders are very interested in, for example, the MITRE tech framework, there's a lot of rules that are being worked on pretty much every day about detecting something interesting in that framework. And as you just saw, and as Jason remarked, the language is simple and intuitive. So you will be, it will be easy for you to customize a rule to your need or even create your own ones once you get the hang of it. it uh, the learning curve is easier than, than it looks, I think. I think a lot of people just use the default package that we provide and start playing with it. And then after a while, when they get used to the, you know, the internals of the tools or the complications around it, they become advanced users and at that point either they get in touch with the community when they have questions or they propose changes even and then they start writing their own rules and that's interesting because sometimes people as lucas said contribute back we actually got a pr of 20 new rules <laughs> last day which we are still in the process of you know reviewing but well i would recommend the approach you run the tool you take a look at your cluster what can be suspicious and then you start investigating and learn more about the tool and the security of your own cluster. Yeah, so, so I have a bunch of questions technically, not as so much about the internals of Falco, but first up, I always learned about this in regards to Kubernetes. So should it be stated up front that this is not Kubernetes specific? Correct. Uh, I mean, it is not. We propose Helm charts and deployment scenarios, of course, for Kubernetes as a first citizen, but a lot of people just use the tool itself. Right. And it, is this Linux specific? Is there a Windows variant or is this Linux kernels only? Now, uh, this is Linux kernel only. With the plugin system, potentially you can start thinking about other even sources as well, but the whole design has been starting with Linux. And so far, that's the, the first class kind yeah. of events that we support. Yeah, okay. So this thing is generating out events for me that may or may not be interesting depending on you know whether it's these alerts are firing. Where is that going? How am I, as a typical engineer or SRE or somebody consuming this information, is it just through, is it presenting itself into logging systems? Are there, is it like a Prometheus metrics combined with logs? How is this consumed really? The cool part is that you can consume them however you like. The, the Falco itself can provide events through either its own logs that are very easy to look at, but not very easy to consume for an SRE, for example, or it has, it provides APIs through HTTP and, and some gRPCs APIs, but it's definitely not just that. There is a project in the Falco community called Falco Sidekick that can easily be connected to Falco and can forward your events to a lot of integrations. You can forward them to your preferred logging system. You can forward them to your CM. You can forward them even to Slack or to or even to a UI that that Falco Sidekick provides. So really the possibilities for you are a lot. And in the community, we try to be as compatible as possible. It doesn't depend on a specific technology that you might have to consume your events. Yeah, exactly. Falco itself has a bunch of outputs, like Luca said, very basic, like throwing the alert into a program, a gRPC, HTTP, like a web webhook or something. Then Falco Sidekick, a typical deployment is to have one Falco per each node of your cluster. Then you also deploy one Sidekick, collecting all the alerts for from all your Falcos. And then Falco Sidekick is an amazing tool because it allows you to do smart stuff like routing based on priorities based on role name, kind of role, tags, for example. And Sidekick itself contains plenty of integrations with many different services. But a good example is you can actually throw Falco alerts into a Lambda function, for example, and create you know, an end-to-end -end detection and response system, for example, automated. A lot of people do that. Yeah, that question, yeah, does Falco exactly. work with Lambdas? Yeah, so I guess the question is like, does Falco monitor Lambdas? I guess mm. it's maybe... The right okay, the answer specifically would be no, but given the AWS CloudTrail integration, what you can do is monitor how many times an, a function is invoked and what permissions are involved, that sort of stuff. So no, Falco is not installed in the context in which your code runs into, into Lambda, though. 
Well, not yet. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it, it's running as a binary, right? So it's not like it's a code plugin or a code module or anything like that, right? That is that that's not exactly. a it's not something where it's yeah. watching internally it, in your app or anything. No, you can decide how to run it. Either you can load the kernel module or an eBPF probe or a classic eBPF probe that is compatible with a lot of system or a modern query based eBPF probe. And you don't need to instrument your target application. That was the question. You don't need to add any instrumentation to your workloads or anything like that. It just runs and monitors your node. Right. Yeah. So on a typical deployment, I can, you mentioned Helm charts, customize, I think. So I would be deploying this in my cluster as maybe one of the first things. And then I guess I need to hook up notifications or have these events streamed somewhere that I can consume them out because I'm not going to be staring at like the container logs of this privileged container or however I decide to deploy this, right? I'm assuming it has to be a privileged container to talk to the kernel um, mm -hmm. in the, in the yes. ways that it does. Yeah. So this thing's running on my, every one of my hosts in my cluster, assuming I have access to do that. And then... Wait, is it running on each node or is it just consuming logs from what, from the cluster? I mean, would it be just consuming all the logs from one place or do I also install it, at, have it installed on each node of the cluster? If you're talking Kubernetes, it will be a daemon set. It is a requirement to installing it okay. that in every node the throughput of the events is really high. So we want to consume that right very close to the source. So you have one file for each node, you make it talk to the Linux kernel. Every application needs to talk to the kernel in some way with system calls to do actual things. And Falco is able to do to see all that. And Brett was right. Of course, you cannot just look at the container logs. What you actually do usually is either set up Falco Psychic with some sort of destination integration you want to have, or you just send the alerts right from Falco through a webhook or something. So the first thing you have to decide is where do you want those alerts to go when something suspicious is happening? A lot of people just want to, you know, dump them in some storage or you know, Elasticsearch or something like that. A lot of people just want to receive a notification live, for example. So it really depends on what's your standpoint in this perspective for security. Plus, it depends how we want Falco to be noisy because every Falco rule has a severity and you can decide basically how many alerts are you're going to receive in a day, for example, because you can sort of customize the degree of how much Falco will be sensible to events, basically. Yeah, we talk about alert fatigue hmm. pretty often on this show, just because it's almost like you could probably create some sort of sort of bell curve chart where there's this initial excitement when you're young in cloud native tools and CNCF projects, and you're just sort of doing everything, right? You're, you've deployed, you're rolling out everything yourself. You got Prometheus going on in there. You got an ELK or a, another logging solution, Grafana's Loki or whatever. You've got all these things you're lighting up. And suddenly you, I would say there's this point where I see a lot of people hitting a valley of despair, where it is so many events happening, so many alerts coming at them. They have way too much information and they don't know how to shrink it down to what really matters and just let everything else be noise, right? I saw that something like it was like 75% of all the rules are enabled by default. Do you find that people have to turn that down afterwards? Or are those rules already refined enough that it really is only going to bother you when it needs to? Very good question. So by default, they are enabled. So that really depends what is happening in your cluster. For many people, that's way too much and it's causing a notification fatigue. So then there's a chance to either set the bar a little bit higher, so just skipping all alerts that are not that much useful, like warnings, you don't want to see those, but that's not like the right approach sometimes. A lot of things that you can do is creating exceptions to rules. So let's say that you have a whitelist of processes or the container images that you don't want to look to trigger the rule to be triggered for, and Falco allows you to do that. So you can take, for example, the default rule set and then append your little customizations in which you specify exactly which exceptions or cases you want to ignore that rule for. And that's, you know, something. In general, the tool, when, when you deploy it, it's cool. It will work and it will tell you a lot of interesting things. And then a smart operator, like Brad could be, would be able to customize the rules. What Jason just said is documented, of course. You can take a look at tutorials. 
about how to do it. You can decide to ship your own rules and you can even decide that depending on how your workloads look like and what you do in your cluster, you can decide to turn on or off something specific. For example, I mentioned the case where you want to be alerted, for example, if someone is dropping a new binary into a container and they're running it. That sounds bad, but maybe some applications do it. So it's possible. And in that case, you might be having a lot of warnings there. Of course, Falco cannot know what you have in your cluster and what you're expecting beforehand. So it will tell you some things and it will let you know how you can tune out the noise in that case. And of course, the community is always here to help. We had questions, we have people that use the tool saying, hey, we solved this problem like this because we had also this specific tool, this application and people adding exception even to the default rule set to the ones that Jason just described, just to tune out the noise from maybe the new version of a popular application that the Falco community didn't know beforehand or anything else. Yeah, uh, I mean, they complain that Falco being too noisy is actually some, you know, some something that we have pretty often. And that's usually in two ways. Either it is a misconfiguration or it is, you know, poorly configured for that specific your case and you have to tune it up a little bit, you know, to suit your needs. Right. I can imagine that system tools that I've got running in addition to Falco doing things that they should be doing could easily fire some rules that maybe you, your typical Kubernetes workload my Node.js app probably doesn't need to do some of the things that a Datadog agent or, you know, the security team comes in and they don't just require Falco, but they got other tools that they want me to deploy everywhere. And those things are probably doing more privilege level stuff and, I don't know, unusual bind mounts. I'm just trying to think of some of the things that might be rules. Um, you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned Datadog, a company I used to work for, and but this comes out of Sysdig originally. And what is the relationship to Sysdig? today is it are most of the developers that work on falco also sysdig employees or what's that relationship well i mean this is one of the things that actually makes the falco project exciting and the fact that falco is now a cncf project so that means that it used to be a project that was developed by the company and then pushed out in a open source open core kind of way if you will but now Actually, we got uh, an entire community of maintainers uh, that are definitely not all at Sysdig. Uh, if you look at the maintainer list, uh, we'll find out that especially lately, people from uh, other companies uh, and even independent developers uh, have joined the core maintainer team, which means that uh, while uh, the Sysdig company does invest a lot uh, into Falco because uh, of the many reasons. Of course, it's it's a technology that came out of Sysdig. It's, it's a cool technology any, anyways, uh, and, and it's important in the cloud native space. The maintainer duties are shared across several people from various different companies. For example, we will have an upcoming talk at the next QCon where on the stage, we you will find some core maintainers of Falco. You will find Jason and I, and you, you will find people from, uh, and three more people from three different companies that have joined us uh, in, in working, working on Falco. Yeah, that is true. Plus, I think you, this kind of project where the technology is a bit complex, just to mention, we write uh, C++ code, which is not super common in the CNCF landscape. That's true. You know, there are more popular languages nowadays, and I totally see why. But in this case, getting real close to the system, that's what we do. So there's a big distinction between a contributor and a maintainer, right? Because the maintainers need to commit, you know, a good, I'm not saying a good bunch of their time, but they need like a good expertise of a pretty big and large code base. And, you know, need to have the time to review all the great things that are happening. I mean, we get plenty of pull requests, issues, and like even live chats in the, in our channels. So we have plenty of contributors, not as many maintainers, I would say, but especially over the past two years, the number of maintainers and, you know, the percentage of the maintainers diversity has been increasing like a lot. And there are really, Civic is not, we, there are many maintainers from Civic of sure, sure, like, but even in the core team. But we have companies like ChainGuard, IBM, Red Hat, just to name a few, representing the whole community. It's very, very diverse and vibrant. We also worked on, a, you know, an improved governance just to make sure that an organization could potentially take majority. We have, a, you know, a standardized voting system for disputes, that sort of stuff. So 
that's also one of the reasons why Falco is now candidated again for graduation in the CNCF, because mm. it's, you know, this diversity things and how solid the developer activity now is in growth and, and rhythm. It's very sane, in my opinion. So SysDig is not like the only player for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask about the graduation, if that was on the... It's not graduated, correct? It's a... No, no. It's incubation. No. It has applied incubation. to graduation. You can take a look at uh, all the work that all the core maintainers of Falco and the community have been doing with the CNCF for graduation. There is There are many things that we wanted to make sure that they were right before, before of course, we are taking the time for the CNCF chairs and the leaders of the CNCF to take a look at the project. I'm, I'm really happy to say that it was great collaborating with them. Jason and I and other maintainers mm -hmm. have been working with them, responding to questions. It was, it was a good experience. And you can really see that on the other end, there's people that understand the technology, understand how it's used and want to help the project as well. And of course, we want to do the best for our project. Right. Question. Hmm. Does Falco classify alerts by severity? I think we kind of mentioned this, but is does each alert that's predefined these, what are we talking about? I forgot. 100 or 70 some defined rules or whatever there is. Do they all have their own severity? Yeah, they do. They yes. do. Yes. Yes. So that's what the one thing you can basically tune. So you could say, I don't want anything below this threshold of severity. You can also customize even the default rules to have a different severity. If for you, for example, that rule is really important. So there's flexibility on this kind for sure. I wanted to walk through a scenario. So I'm imagining myself being an operator. I've deployed Falco. I've, it's enabled all these default rules. And I'm seeing the rules happening. And I'm sort of, maybe I'm tuning some of them. Maybe, I'm, like you're saying, maybe I'm adjusting severity. Maybe I'm just only reporting to, you know, my main dashboard or and putting into Slack notifications the things that are, I don't know what the top severity is, critical. I'm not sure if you're, if that's the standard, but yeah. So I'm maybe only seeing those to begin with That's you know, I'm always trying to avoid alert fatigue. So I really want to start out with the worst things and then work my way down. Is this something where I can send like a normal operator that's maybe trying to get more out of Falco other than default rule set? Am I looking at like each one of my apps and somehow profiling it and then making that like its own rule set in the system, you know, per app? I'm, I'm trying to understand like, how would I go about, other than being like a Linux kernel expert, <laughs> like how, it, if I'm running, if I'm someone who's got Go apps and Node apps and I got Postgres mm -hmm. running, and these are things that are all doing file system calls, they're all doing networking, maybe not running shells, right? They're probably not starting exec processes. What would be some of the examples of like my, yeah, my behavior in sort of tightening down so that anything unusual, that's not what I'm running. Like how would that typically happen? Well, what you said, I think, is a one great starting point. So you know that that behavior, even if you're not a kernel expert, you can see that specific behavior sounds suspicious. There is something that that network call doesn't sound right. It's calling the AWS service that instances use to get the metadata and communicate. That doesn't sound right. However, my application does use this. So I am going to add the rule add the, that tunes it out. And this is a, a perfectly viable way of doing it. The other way and uh, other ways uh, without the need to, of being a current expert, of course, uh, are really looking uh, at the overall, at the overall list of your alerts. So for example, I started by saying, let's take a look at the high alerts. And I see that there is a one specific alerts that's constantly triggered. And I look at that uh, and it doesn't even look like there is a specific app that does this. It may be that it's just the way my cluster works. Uh, someone that wrote that rule didn't have a different environment. And in my own environment, this happens uh, really constantly. So I can lower the priority, uh, lower the severity of that rule, take a harder look at that, and I can decide whether or not I want that specific detection to happen. Or I can mm -hmm. see if maybe someone has come up with a new detection. And then I will customize my rules and become a Falco expert in the process and possibly join us in the community. Yeah, that is true. There are, I mean, all default rule sets that we ship with the tool are general purpose. So of course, not very tied to a specific application or, you know, behavior you may expect. We do have actually also a rule set for more application specific rules. Which is a good start, I guess, but you can, of course, start profiling your workloads, trying to understand what is happening. Maybe 
you know, for rules development, one thing that you could do is start, you know, writing a very basic rule, not very sophisticated, you know, in the condition in which it should trigger and test it, right? And you're going to see, hey, this is too much noise. Like, I don't expect, I mean, this is safe. Mm -hmm. So you're going to start refining the condition in which the rules need to trigger time by time. And after you're satisfied, that's basically what you're, you're going for. And then, you know, it's flexible, so you can always update it. You can tag so, it as you want. You can tune it out from the regular rules mm -hmm. and see how your rules is performing. The Palco gives you all these possibilities as you wish. And this is really, I mean, maybe it's obvious to listeners by now, but this is really an observability tool, right? Like this isn't actually firewalling anything or adding any levels of protection or denying process or system calls. This is really just watching, right? That's, right, that's yeah, correct. And uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is, uh, you can set up uh, integrations uh, and we have them in the community that would do something after an event is fired. Mm. But so you might want to stop the container. You might want to do something more than just alert. But Falco itself uh, is really an observability tool. And I, I just want to add that I think that doing this uh, in this way is uh, especially for starting is the smart way of approaching the problem of taking an existing workload and looking at it and trying to secure it. Because if you start, I have experience in security and I know that if you start trying to deny, especially selectively mm -hmm. things from happening, right. you will end up with a system that is in a very inconsistent state and debuggable state. Of course, in the field of security, having access control is one of the most important, if not the actual most important thing that you have to do. But access controls uh, are built into the system. Or, uh, if you think about things like uh, SE Linux uh, or other things, they are really built into the kernel. They are not uh, something that uh, you can simply turn on one day and expect that everything will work. Uh, you have to design in the, uh, your workloads uh, to work well with the access control system. So. It's, I think it's cool that with Falco, you can get a lot of visibility without and before even putting access control on. Yeah, I agree. Plus it's part of the model itself, even from an engineering perspective, when you deal with kernel events of that volume and throughput, it's even hard to, you know, prevent any, everything from happening or having that much deep control without slowing down your node itself or your workload, right? So. The whole design with which Falco was conceived is non-intrusive and non-blocking. So yes, Falco talks with the kernel, but it tries to let do the kernel do, you know, less work as possible in order to retrieve all this information that Falco uses to write security rules. So you can, you know, you usually don't expect your workloads to be slower than, I don't know, three to 5% of what they usually are, because Falco is really non-intrusive and it controls the flow on its own, trying not to block your system in any way. It's like a security camera. Think about that. So right. instead of like putting hard walls on everything happening, Falco just stands there trying to look. It lets the bad hap things happen, actually, but it's hard to circumvent. You know, even though we cannot monitor potentially everything, it will always, you know, spot something. And that's when the suspicious thing gets you notified about pretty much that is happening some, something bad. So substantially. Right. Yeah. Because I'm imagining like a bad actor. They're going to have, you know, they're going to have lots of things that they're going to attempt to do to get into a system. And eventually, hopefully they stumble across a rule that is, you know, doing something on a system that's unusual. Because I, I, I see like we all, we've had, you know, IDS, IPS systems, like all these other types of tracking, monitoring, and eventually blocking systems for decades, right? But the challenge is always you know, there's like the learning how the tool is implemented. And then there is this vast, unlimited amount of time of tuning <laughs> that mm -hmm. it, it just never ends. And I'm sitting here thinking about like my own, if my if I were to implement Falco on a cluster, you know, I was looking at the website just a while ago while you were talking, like it, it details the Helm chart, you know, various methods of installing through system package managers, containers, and then talking about the default rule set. Is that rule set a bunch of files that, and this is a little bit of an implementation detail, but I was just curious, is that rule set files that I'm putting in with Falco or does Falco like reach out and pull down rule sets? How, what's the options for how do I like update this thing? I was trying to imagine like, as I'm tuning, what really is happening? Am I redeploying a container with different configuration files? Like how's that actually? Luca is probably the right person because he worked <laughs> on it exactly a couple of months ago. So. 
You can see us both smiling because this is a, really a question that was asked a lot in the past mm. for Falco and for a very good reason. I can completely see what you want to do, Brett. So actually, now you can do in all the ways uh, that you have just mentioned. So you can either build your own Falco image and put the files in because, for example, maybe you really want your own custom version of Falco that only has the rules that you want and you want to deploy to your fleet. You are perfectly, of course, uh, free to do it. But if you want uh, a system that updates it automatically, there is one that comes uh, that is installed uh, right with the Helm chart. There is a sidecar container, let's call it mm. like that. So there's another container that runs uh, alongside Falco whose uh, only meaning for existence at that point is to keep your rules uh, updated. And uh, one of the cool things uh, is that our rules are distributed through OCI artifacts. As you know, in cloud native software, OCI artifacts uh, are becoming quite, quite a standard. And uh, we have now support uh, in this new tool called the Falco CTL that runs uh, into the sidecar container that I just mentioned to either pull from your own container registry uh, looking for OCI artifacts uh, that uh, represent rules, uh, or even keep them up to date. If you have, uh, for example, the same thing uh, as a container image floating tag, you can have the same for rules uh, and you can uh, configure how often uh, you want your Falco deployment to check uh, if there's new rules uh, and it will pull and automatically update them. So think about the complete workflow of an operator that has a Git repo. The Git repo has an option to release. And the Git repo contains the rules. The operator works on the rules, presses the release button, and the CI starts, builds the artifacts, push, pushes them to the registry. And on the other hand, Falco will check, pull down the new version of the rules, and load them without requiring restart or without requiring any redeploy. Yeah, in the past, this whole was like manual work. So right. this, I mean, the last few Falco releases, including this tool, has been amazing. Think about Log4j. We you know, potentially could have a new role detecting, uh, you know, such sort of that attack, you know, even a week after, a couple of days after it got into the news, but the next Falco release was, you know, due in three months. So, because we have a fixed release schedule now that the project started growing, right? So it was not acceptable to, you know, ship the official released rules alongside the tool. It made much more sense to have a, on a rolling basis, like, a subscription system in which you can go on your OCI repository and always have the most up-to-date rules and let's, you know, let you distribute those to your Falcos in your fleet, depending on your configuration. So that's what happens nowadays. I approve. So I got a couple of questions. Thinking about the security cam and I'm thinking back to, you know, when I was at Datadog, you know, I remember dealing with logs and log pipelines inside of Datadog. And what you do is create a pipeline that says, okay, I'm going to update the these log lines based on maybe a regex and I'm going to pull in some data or pull out data so that it fits into the way that Datadog displays that information. But one of the frustrating parts of that was that all those rules for that pipeline were done purely at ingestion of the logs into the system. And then later on, around the time I left, they had acquired a company called Timber.io, which had a product called Vector, which I think allowed for some processing of the logs a little bit of time after ingestion. And I know since then, there's been a lot more security tools in there. And I don't really know anything about Datadog anymore now, or I know less about Datadog now. But is Falco, Falco has these rules, but you know, I can see that, you know, thinking of the security camera, you know, maybe there's a suspicious activity that's not really critical that happens and that log is ingested. And then 10 minutes later, there's another, again, not really super suspicious, but kind of suspicious. That's actually part of the same attack that happens 10 minutes later. And then another one an hour later. Is Falco going to be able to, is Falco's rules able to process on those different events that happen across ages of time? Or is it all at the, you know, as logs come in, they're processed at ingestion. And that's the end of that. Very, very good question, in my opinion. Very smart. The Falco nowadays only consumes events and does detections one by one. So yeah, like you said, in second option two is the simple way. There are many reasons behind this. The first is performance, like the amount yeah. of events per node are really, really high. Like it's very, if you start doing correlations, storing some of those in memory, there's plenty of concerns that get into the middle. So the big problem of correlating 
events or like alerts, if you want. It's something that people asked and we don't have an official solution yet. I mean, there's speculation on doing that at the Sidekick level, for example, because Falco Sidekick collects alerts from different Falcos, for example. So in that way, you can also do reasoning about more than one node, but it's not a simple problem. And nowadays, Falco doesn't. It really tries to shine for simplicity in the model. That's why it is performant. But just to mention, in the whole event processing loop, we do zero allocations. So that's how much we squeeze performance out of this software and doing mm -hmm. a correlation system will be complicated. But it's definitely yeah. something that we will face as a future development because it's a use yeah. case, not only very legitimate, but also very useful. All I could see would be doing, you know, as you said, mm -hmm. uh, looking at the output of one Falco as an input to another Falco instance, and maybe all those yeah. logs are batched. And then you're looking at a bunch of things, but what's the batch size? And yeah, right. it's hard. The rate, well, I'm, I'm sitting here imagining dashboards of like, showing the rate of things over time and like, you know, pinging you eventually in Slack or whatever, when rates increase of events or, you know, when you have unusual, but yeah, that all requires intelligence. And it sounds like that's like a job for something like Datadog or another platform that's looking I, at the number. I, of I don't know if, and, yeah. I don't know if Datadog's able to do that. I don't know. So, <laughs> well, we have CMs that, that their job is doing this in just yeah. many events, but of course, as Jason, as Jason remarked, uh, remember that we don't want uh, to eat uh, the entire RAM of your node in the storing events, hoping that maybe two hours in the future, something will happen. Okay. But there is a cool thing that happens in Falco that can help in that is the fact that Falco keeps a bit of state. It tries to keep inside uh, the representation of the, of your running processes and other things. And it's able to attach metadata to every of the, yeah. each and every one of this process. This is a very powerful thing because you don't have to keep a stream of logs of events and then hoping to correlate one with the other, but you can add a little bit of information to processes. This is done completely internally on right now. It's not a feature that Falco itself exposes to the user, but we are thinking in terms of what Jason just mentioned, the fact that it's something that will be, need to be tackled. We are thinking that this is one of the powerful things that could help and do some of the correlations without actually requiring a lot of memory. So mm -hmm. if these capabilities, if the fact that adding metadata to processes files and all other objects at the Palco level could be extended and could be more powerful, I think it would be one of the things that really help in, in getting this capability without consuming all the node resources only for your security. At that point, your node will become completely useless. I'm sorry. Yeah, going back, sorry, I'm going to go back a couple of minutes to the talking about of the, of the rules and the updating of the rules. That whole workflow is like my love story of re registries <laughs> and OCI artifacts and like Git ops and, I, and infrastructure as code. Like, it's amazing how many tools are operating in sort of the CNCF landscape and don't operate with that sort of mindset. You know, it's almost like configuration and configuration management over time is an afterthought or it's a, a very traditional, well, you got to redeploy everything and you got to bind mount a config map, which, you know, which has our custom, it's not even Tomlin or YAML. It's like our, you know, I'm, I'm going to pick on Nginx for a second. Like it's our own custom thing and no one, and it doesn't look like anything else. And, and the only way you're going to know if it works right is to deploy it and then find out if it crashes. There's so much of that workflow that I live in. I mean, most of my training and education and teaching stuff nowadays is operating in the going from dev to the operator, that middle space that's complicated. And we don't always have clear understanding of the paths and like, how do I store con the, the config? How do I get the config to my servers? How do I update that config? And what workflow does that look like? You know, and the fact that you're using OCI for artifacts is like a huge thumbs up because I always felt like that was the distribution system of the future that we're all still trying to figure out how to get everything in it. So that's, it sounds like that's a new thing. Is that like a, a the sidecar approach is a relatively new idea yeah, yeah. or is that sort of a, a day one approach? For Falco, it's been introduced in the latest release uh, in the hand chart. But if you think about it, there is a lot of more things that we can do. It's a lot of stuff that we can do to expand on this approach. Think about signatures. Now we have ways to add signatures to OCI artifacts that is being standardized as we speak. And we are going to be compatible with that as soon as possible. We really want to use all the power that the OCI artifacts and the container specifications give us in the cloud native landscape. As you just mentioned, I think it just makes sense for it to like mm -hmm. that. 
Yeah, that's if, nice. If I choose to, in my Falco instance, I choose to use the rules of that somebody's provided. We've heard how those rules will get updated in my instance, but are you checking those rules to make sure that the rules are still good? Or it, who's the verifier that says, yes, these rules are a good set of rules? No, the Falco is the Oracle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Formatting-wise or security-wise? I guess security-wise. In the same way, you would check how the, your Kubernetes system images are good. So you mm. have to put okay. trust somewhere. Security is always about right. trust. So you will have to sure. put your trust somewhere. Of course, in the Falco organization, we have a very high bar for, for what can be described as an official Falco thing. And of course, improving the security in terms of signatures and the whole supply chain security right. part is very important for us. We all know that this is important now and it's important for us. We're working on that as we speak. Many people are getting interested in that and someone is listening. We have issues open and, and really we want to get up to date to the industry standards that are being developed today because Falco is a security tool and needs to care about security mm -hmm. first and foremost and not as an afterthought. But but of course, as usual, there's you have to trust your, your provider yeah. rules and yeah. of course your provider Falco. We try to be trustworthy as much yeah. as we can really. Yeah, I mean, I always... I'm always reminded of, you know, I guess one of the first breaches in the coal supply chain, bill of materials and all that stuff to, to come to make people think about it. And that's the solar winds and, you know, the Orions, their security piece was breached and that was, and then the attackers were able to, they knew that people were using Orion. So therefore they now had access to government systems and stuff. And so, you know, it was access into these systems through the security system. And so it's always... Well, it, it's the worst case scenario. <laughs> it's true. It can happen. And yeah. if you yeah. have worked in security long enough, you know that this is an actual possibility. We cannot eliminate it, but we can work sure. as hard as we can to try and prevent it and to try and yep. be as trustworthy as possible. Yep. Cool. I have Excellent. one other question specifically about, so I'm really into GitHub Actions. Like it's kind of my thing. I'm, I mean, I'm maybe called the Docker guy, but I could also probably now be called the, the GitHub Actions guy. So you know, I'm trying to shove everything in, every peg I have into that square hole of do it on GitHub Actions. And one thing I saw recently was another tool allowing, a, having a GitHub Action to actually install itself on the runner and watch the runner while, speaking of the supply chain stuff that we were talking about there, nice segue map, having it run on my Action Runner to make sure nothing bad happens there with the code that I'm testing, building, or whatever. Have you seen Falco used for that? Is there a known use case or documented use case for that? Yeah, we probably read the same article because I saw that and I discussed that with a colleague saying, hey, this is something that we should try to do as well. So definitely it's something worth exploring. Falco doesn't do that yet. I mean, not yeah. officially, and I'm not aware of, some, of someone using Falco for that specific use case in GitHub Actions, but it's totally feasible. One thing that I know is that you have access to the kernel in GitHub Actions. We use those for testing actually our kernel instrumentation. So it's only Falco should be a possibility. And who knows, in the future, we may provide our, you know, action step or workflow for you to install Falco and then, you know, having your workload secure when you build your software in your pipeline. Plus, to conclude my part, we are adopting GitHub Actions pretty extensively in the organization nowadays. Our Infrastructure is a bit complex because we have our feet in three, in three shoes, I would say. We use CircleCI, GitHub Actions is also pro, the same thing yeah. that Kubernetes uses, and all for different reasons. So we are really trying to at least turn it down to two, and one of those will be GitHub Actions because it's very handy for us. Yeah, I approve that. I am really a part yeah. of, the, of our effort with the other people to try and move many things to GitHub Actions. It's, it's cool to use. We have set up even permissions for AWS. Uh, the OIDC security with AWS is great, I think. It's, it's fantastic for signatures. So we are trying to adopt it as much as we can in the organization because it's handy for us developers to use. But I wanted to add on, the, on what we were discussing because I thought about it. I thought, how is, is there a way I can find out something that is wrong in, the, in my pipeline? From a security personal standpoint, in that case, it's really extremely hard to understand what is good. We are back to the question, what is good? 
because examples with, that we're making, such as uh, suspicious file opening or uh, creating a new process and then spawning it, uh, are things that happen every day and every second in every development pipeline. We create images, we push them, we sign them. How do I know if that code is good? This is a very hard question for me. Falco can surely help, as Jason mentioned, because uh, there's many things you can do. For example, there was an article from a few years back. I don't know if that's the same one that you are you were talking about, uh, where you could uh, take a look uh, at the packages that are published uh, onto, for example, public sources or Python, for example, pip packages. And you could run the installer of that package and run Falco alongside and record events uh, and see if there's any alerts. So if the installer of the of a package that's usually found on pip is starting to do something that's not expected for you, you can have that uh, as a sign of supply chain security attack because the attack happened uh, maybe deep into the infrastructure of whoever provides the package. But when you try to install it on a target system and you're running with elevated privileges, uh, it will start doing something, uh, something bad. This is a very cool, I think it's a very cool approach. It doesn't catch all attacks, uh, but uh, we are back at the definition of what is good. There's uh, many things you can do, and uh, people are actually trying to use the Falco libraries. Uh, that's the underlying engine. That's Falco without the rules, pretty much. So that's the raw events that Falco consumes uh, in the rule engine, uh, and try to maybe analyze raw events, maybe do something with that. I think it's a cool thing to to look at, and it can totally help. I, as a Falco maintainer, I say that this technology can totally help. As a security person, I say, this is really hard and it goes beyond the event collection, but we can try to do something about it. Right. Yeah. Especially I can imagine a CI where it's, it's much more unpredictable, I would imagine, than a production solution where you tend to have the same workloads over and over again, just being redeployed and updated. Whereas in CI, like developers add, especially with GitHub Actions, I, one of the things I love about GitHub Actions is when you give it to a dev team, they typically run with it. Unlike what I used to see with you know, Jenkins, where it was almost like once you, if you're the one that implemented Jenkins, you tended to own it and all the pipeline and workflow files. And then like people came to you to do this, the work. Whereas with GitHub Actions, it seems to be empowering developers that I work with to just run with it. So they're adding, <laughs> they're adding workflows all the time and that's new stuff that's going to show up. And if you're, if you have a security or monitoring tool, that's a pretty unpredictable execution path for workload just showing up. Suddenly you got a new Python action. Now I got a new node action. Like I just got all this stuff that's showing up on the fly. It's not as predictable as production. So I can see how this could be a problem, but it doesn't well, mean I don't want it. One, like I love the idea. And one of the, I love the idea of watching agree. the watchers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I saw, I mean, thinking about that GitHub actions question and monitoring GitHub actions, I saw that in the registered plugins, there was a GitHub webhook plugin and looking at the rules there. Right at the bottom, there's a GitHub action. It'll watch for a GitHub action containing crypto miners was executed. So mm -hmm. some of, I guess it just needs more rules to to look for yeah, more things. Yeah, it's, it's so that is gonna, so the Falco monitoring that stuff will not be running inside your action. That's the difference. So it's oh, gonna right. listen okay, for events the, okay. coming, you know, the security events generated by GitHub, which is already something that, you know, you could use for security, right. but the best of both worlds will be to be both in both sides, right? So you either have a Falco inside and one outside and you see it on both sure. ends. Mm. So GitHub's actually mm -hmm. detecting a, a miner, like it has mm -hmm. a security, a specific security alert because they're watching for those. So they might, oh, use, Falco they might be using Falco oh, yeah. already oh, yeah. Yeah. on all the runners. But yeah. <laughs> and all that's open source. So we could actually go look and see how they're yeah. detecting that stuff. But anyway, sorry, Matt, what were you saying? No, no, I mean, the, I, the rule that I was looking at was Falco's rules and not something that GitHub produces. Yeah, because what Falco is capable of doing from the GitHub plugin, if I recall correctly, is that by looking at the events, it's going to be able to inspect all pull requests, all code that gets checked in. And in that way, you can, for example, do regex matching for secrets, weird uh, signatures, mm. that sort of stuff. So. By looking what people checks in their branches, you can actually infer some stuff, right? And then that's that code is gonna run in your CI. So it's still inference, right? But couple that with potentially a Falco being inside the action, it's probably powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking about the how easy the rules are, I mean, 
I, with no inf- no knowledge of Falco before this call, or minimal knowledge of Falco mm-hmm. before this call, and I was able to look at that rule and understand what it's doing. It's easy enough to read. I mean, would I be able to write a new rule? Probably not. Not right now, but maybe in a, mm-hmm. you know, with access to the documentation. Yeah, it doesn't look that hard to create these rules myself. Man, that's good to hear. Plus, the first baby step is always copy and paste, plus adding some edits sure. on your own. That's what we always do. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure um, ChatGPT could help with this. Yeah, it can, it can write Falco rules. <laughs> you can ask it for Falco rules, and it will write you something. Yeah, technology nowadays. I just need to have ChatGPT open the entire time we do these live shows, and so when it comes up, that I wonder what ChatGPT would say about that. I just log in, I ask it, and then we can just watch the watch. Because I like to bring it up on, on every call. <laughs> yes. Yes. The last question, actually, that I, Brett, you're mentioning the support to Wasm, right? That question where you were referring to? That is super interesting to me specifically. So the answer is no. Falco and WebAssembly are two different worlds, not touching each other. I'm not expert in the field, but what I can say is monitoring what is happening in the WebAssembly code, it's not super easy because then, you know, all the current instrumentation stuff gets a bit more trickier. But one thing that I'm proposing actually for the Google Summer of Code as a mentor for the Falco organization is the possibility of C++ code. So it can get actually compiled to WebAssembly. I attempted that on a, you know, on a lazy Sunday night and it works. So you can actually run the, the real Falco code inside the browser potentially. And the first use case that I'm promoting is creating like a playground for sort of a web IDE for writing Falco rules and potentially test them. So that's going to be hopefully a very good help for all those people starting to write their own rules for the first time. You know, beyond this, if this has success and that's going to happen, then I potentially, Falco approaching more use cases in WebAssembly, it's going to be something I'm very interested in too. But at that point, it's very hard because if you are in the sandbox, you cannot do much, Mm. right? And Falco, due to the whole kernel communication, does plenty of stuff. So it's going to be a tricky conversation. Yeah, we need to have that. We can have that conversation. We're going to end up doing like a Wasm show with Nigel Poulton, who's like going <laughs> down the Wasm rabbit hole with a bunch of other people. And I'm on the outside, just like watching the progress and excited for the potential. But every time I try to dive into it, I realize how new, like the WASI standard and how new that is and how limiting that is on a backend system that I'm not even, I almost feel like at this point, if someone said to me, they had to they wanted to deploy a WASI workload on my servers, I'd be like, fine, I don't care what it is. Because <laughs> it's be, it'll be lucky if it even has network access, basically, at this point. So yeah. WASI's like, I'm super excited I, about it, but I feel like we're a couple major versions away from people actually adopting it. I got another question. I, since we're coming toward, I think we're coming towards the end. I have to get this question in there. <laughs> oh, there we go. So when I first saw the, the name Falco on the booth at SecurityCon, I instantly, the place I instantly went to was the same place and that was Rock Me Amadeus. And so was there any, the, the, was the source of the name Falco, was there just the original developer really liked that Austrian singer or what, what's, what's the name mean? No, it's Italian for Hawk. Yeah, exactly. It's Italian for Hawk. And the founder of Sysdig, okay. which created the project initially, is Italian too. <laughs> so okay. Take it like the Falcon without the N. If you look okay. everywhere, you will find pictures of Hawks. Uh, and uh, even in the, okay. in the, you'll see wings and even the logo is, is bird-like yeah. because well, that's, I mean, I- that's when it canceled. I actually didn't know. The, the Austrian counterpart uh, before someone asked yeah. me this exact question yeah. before. But then, you know, the joke keeps going around and now we have a GitHub yeah. bot called Poyana, which is a kind of bird. And then we have a secret manager called Pigeon, which is still a kind of bird. So we're, we're getting down that whole ourselves uh-huh. as well. I like it. I like the theme. I was just looking at Falcons versus Hawks because I didn't. I have Hawks in my backyard. I didn't know. I actually have some bald eagles too and Osprey and some other really cool birds. But didn't know that falcons were technically different than hawks. So just bird trivia for all of us. Yeah, yeah. I'm of that age now. I have the binoculars in the bird book by the back door. And we do look at, <laughs> we've probably got at any given time, 30, 30 variants of different birds in our backyard. So we live on it. We live it's right like on It's like a, a security marsh, camera so. for birds, basically. You're saying. <laughs> my dog is my security camera for birds. Because if he can see yeah. one, he thinks he's going he's gonna to try to get it. So he's going to bark at it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for both being here. I have learned a ton and it's exciting to see, especially 
talking about the new deployment style and the side containers and sidecars. That that's an excited exciting model for me at least because I typically am the one advising people on tooling, and then of course the question after I tell them what is Falco, and I hope they get it right. They're probably going to ask me how they implement it. So I, I'm going to pretend that I know what I'm talking about, and I'm going to be a little smarter now. So which is the entire goal of this show to make you all out there smarter and make us smarter as well. So thank you both for being here. Falco.org is the website. I don't think we've sort of said these <laughs> words, but Falco.org. Of course, you can find some information on the SysDigs website. Is the project on Twitter? I'm trying to remember if the project itself is. Yes, Falco underscore org. Falco underscore org. Yep. So at Falco underscore org on Twitter. And I'm assuming you're on like the CNCF Slack, Kubernetes Slack, or any of those. Is it CNCF mm -hmm. Slack? All of them. Yeah. yeah, all of them. We have, so if you go on the falco.org website, we have a specific community page in which you can find us in all the different channels. The biggest, the official one is the Kubernetes workspace in the Falco channel. So you can find all the conversation happening in there. We use the CNCF workspace as well. Yeah. Hashtag Falco on Kube Slack. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you both again for being here. It's been great. So you've got some people on the show that are already using it. And I'm a fan. Glad you could be here. I'm looking forward to all the updates and new releases and eventually maybe a graduation in your future. That would be exciting. So we'll see. Thanks again, guys. Fingers crossed. Thank Thanks you for having us. Yeah. It was so much fun. Ciao, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.